each new day, each breath we take, we thank you that it's a daily reminder of our dependence upon you. We thank you that in this place, it's not by our strength, it's not by our efforts, it's not by our abilities or talents, but it's because you sustain us, you carry us, that we enter into a new day, that we enter into a new week. We give you thanks, Lord, as we, as we breathe in, as we exhale, we do all that we do for your glory. And we pray that you'd be magnified and glorified here in this place. God, speak to us today in your word, through your word. Fill our hearts with your spirit today and this week. Help us to be more like Jesus at the end of the week than we are today. So, Lord, we come to you in submission, in reverence, in awe. We thank you for a week to celebrate your advent, your arrival on the scene. We thank you that you're coming again. We thank you that you're here today. We give you our full attention now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, worship team, for leading us to the King today. And I'd, I'd uh, encourage you to turn with me if you have your Bibles or uh, open up an app and go uh, with me to Galatians chapter 4. One of, the, one of the big questions people are thinking as we're going into Christmas week is, what's this all about? You know, you come in, you walk in, there's, there's some lights. People have arrived early and set up decorations. Thank you to those that transported things that came a little extra early to make it look Christmassy in here today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, padded walls. That's right. And, and, you know, the festivities are going to continue. We've got a, a Christmas Eve service on Tuesday. Many of you probably have family coming into town. In fact, I met some family members here this morning, so it's good to have uh, out-of-town guests or family returning home from military service or working with senators in D.C. or coming back from jobs in other parts of the country. It's good to have family together at Christmas time, And that's definitely a part of it, right? But, you know... As, as you watch, is, is there anybody besides the Gilboy family that watches some Christmas movies at this time of the year, okay? Um, I've been, maybe it's because I'm watching them for the umpteenth time, but I'm watching them with a little bit more of a discerning critical eye this Christmas season. I'm seeing a recurrent theme of sentimentality, uh, family time, um, home for the holidays, kind of that sentiment, right? Like the true meaning of Christmas is really togetherness. Um, you know, if you, if you want to, what was, it, what was the, the, the message from the movie Elf that the kids were watching yesterday and I caught most of it? Um, the best way to bring Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear, right? That's the message right there. So I guess we just did that. So I don't know if that goes far enough. And, and um, it's gotten me thinking about why did Jesus come? Uh, a verse that's been ruminating in my, in my head and in my heart since we went over Romans 5 a couple weeks ago. Um, and I'll just read this. It's not our text for today, but it, it got me thinking about God's timing. Here's what the verse said in Romans 5 as we were looking at God's love. Romans 5, 6, For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. At the right time. Got me thinking about God's timing. Why did Jesus come when he came? You know, a lot of times we wonder, why does God do the things that he does? Why, why does God have the plan that he has? Why does he act in the ways that he does? A lot of times we think our plan is superior to God's plan. And I think his timing fits into that. His timing is a part of his plan. And many times we feel like he's moving too slowly. It's pretty rare that we think God is, 
accelerating the pace faster than we'd like. It's, we'd like him to be acting a little bit faster, a little bit sooner in our own lives and maybe in our world as well. Another, another passage that I think relates to this text we're, we're going to be reading today in Galatians 5 is back in the Old Testament in Isaiah 55. It talks about the thoughts and the ways of God. And here's what it says in Isaiah 55, verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And I read, I read words like that, and I'm humbled to be reminded that God's plan is not my plan. God has a better plan than I do. Uh, he has superior thoughts and ideas and perspectives. He's got an eternal perspective. I'm very narrow-minded in my focus. I just go through life one day at a time. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And God stands back, and he sees the beginning and the end and everything in between. His plan is better than your plan and better than my plan. He sees the big picture. So his thoughts are higher and flawless, and then his execution of his plan is also perfect. He does exactly what he sets out to do. That's not how my plans go. So his, he takes that superior thought, idea, perspective, and plan, and then he executes it in his timing and in his way. Uh, he builds no bridges to nowhere. He has no fat finger errors. He does exactly what he sets out to, out to do. It's very different than our clumsy experience, right? Even when we've got a good plan, we, we mess things up or things don't go as planned. So he overlooks no details as he accomplishes his purposes. And, and we bring those questions to him as we question his plan. God, why this plan? Why this plan in this way? And he reminds us, my ways and thoughts are higher. Trust me. Maybe today it's not the questioning of God's plan, but it's his timing in your life or in your situation or even in our world. God, why don't you act sooner? Why don't you move when I'd like you to, in the way I'd like you to, according to my plan? And, and we need the reminder that he is sovereign over the timing as well. So here's, let's read together now in Galatians 5. The context for this, this is a letter written by Paul to a group of churches and believers in, in Galatia. Uh, really, the big issues that Paul is addressing, uh, these are people who are needing a reminder to walk in the Spirit, to walk in the freedom of Christ. These are people who have a, a Jewish ancestry, so they've had the Old Testament laws that God has laid out. But as they've come to Jesus, it's to be a new way of interacting with God. God's plan, his ways, uh, and, and that way is freedom in Christ and walking by the Spirit. This is the book where we've got the, uh, the fruits of the Spirit listed. So if the, if the Holy Spirit is at work in your life, you should be having things hanging from your branches like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's in this letter. In Galatians. But the problem in Galatia is that there's some people who have received that freedom in Christ, but now they're going back to like being fascinated with the Old Testament law. And it's like they're not working out this sonship or this being adopted into the family of, of God. They're not living as sons and daughters of 
of God, but rather as slaves. So that's the context of, of the little portion that we're going to read today that's going to get into God's timing. Okay, so let's read together here in Galatians 5, the beginning of that chapter. For freedom, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm taking you to the wrong chapter. We are going to read uh, 5.1. We're in 4 today. So that's why the people at the, at, the, at the computer are probably confused as to where I'm going. 4.1. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. But now that you've come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more. You observe days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid I may have labored over you in vain. It's a, it's a stern reprimand, but you hear Paul's heart here as he's, he's pleading with them. Get it right. Understand what it is to be a, a son or a daughter of God. Understand what the freedom in Christ means for you, what it means to walk in the Spirit. And within this, we're hearing about God's timing. So in Galatia, there's that struggling, the, the, the tension between struggling to understand how does that Old Testament law relate to freedom through Christ and walking by God's Holy Spirit. And they're failing to understand and to see that God's redemptive promise in that Old Testament law was a promise that pointed forward to Jesus. And they're hung up on the law itself. There in chapter 2, Paul says, if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. So really the problem here is, is a legalistic working out of their Christianity. You know, it's, it's, they're fascinated with all the, the do's and don'ts, the, the dotting the I's, crossing the T's, and it's really a, 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 a religion-based righteousness, a works-based righteousness that he's confronting. So as you, as you read the whole, the whole letter there to Galatia, you're going to see Paul kind of developing this argument that the law, it was, it was like a list of regulations for slaves who were awaiting adoption as sons and daughters. And as I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking, what would be the modern day equivalent? You know, because typically we're not seeing slaves being adopted. And orphanage doesn't quite work either because... These are not people who have no parents. But I thought, you know, maybe an analogy today from foster care would fit with what Paul is, is telling the Galatians. It would be as if someone at Christmas time was in foster care, but knowing that there was adoption coming this month. And so prior to entering that family, they're given a sheet of paper that, that is a list of bullet points on rules for being a part of a family. 
and, and they're, they're encouraged, read over this, you're going to need this, you're about to be adopted, get ready, uh, there's something big coming. And so they're pouring over this, this sheet of paper <coughs> to, to read the regulations and rules for being a part of a family. And now the adoption goes through and there's, there's a, a court scene and there's hugs and embraces and now a new member of the family is added in and it's Christmas morning and there's uh, snuggles on the couch and a, and a fire in the fireplace and the decorations are up and family members are starting to tear open the presents but the, the new member of the family who's just been adopted is not a part of the scene but instead is over in the corner with the sheet of instructions and rules and regulations on being a part of a family with their nose buried on that sheet. And they're missing the whole point. The time has come. You are now a son or a daughter of the king. You're, you're invited into the family. Celebrate. Receive the warmth. Walk in freedom. That old you is no longer who you are. It, it served a purpose for that time. But why would you go back to that now when there's freedom in you through Christ and this is what Paul is saying to the Galatians. Wake up. Understand the freedom that you have in Christ. And there, skip ahead here, the verse I almost read to you to start with. In chapter 5 it says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm therefore and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. And there's a, this, this sad state of being that some Christians get pulled into is taking this freedom from Christ and turning it into a, a system of rules and regulations, a human effort-based system, something that's based on good works, maybe a scale. Uh, we bring this from our families of origin, right? When you, uh, We've probably made the same mistake as parents in our own home. Oh, you, you got some good grades this semester? Come here, let me give you a hug. I'm so proud of you. Oh, you didn't unload the dishwasher? Shame on you, right? And so we're kind of hardwired from, from a young age to have, have our, our actions kind of define the way we receive and give love. And we think that God treats us that way as well. Must be hitting home for Connor here. <laughs> Better unload the dishwasher when you get home. <laughs> okay. So today, you know, at the end of the service, you see the communion tables are set up. Begin to prepare your heart now. This is not a, a, a religious duty or obligation that we fulfill once a month on communion Sunday. This is a time to celebrate. It's, it's a reminder of what Jesus did in us, the freedom we have in Christ. A time to celebrate and give thanks for him paying the price for our sins on the cross that we've been adopted in as sons and daughters. A time to look forward to his return when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he's Lord. And that's what we're doing today. We're confessing that he's Lord as we take communion together. Well, Jesus came not only to bring freedom, but also, as we continue into this passage here, to secure our adoption into God's family. And there in verse 4, you see this phrase, when the fullness of time had come. And again, I'm, I'm thinking about the timing of God. When the fullness of time had come. There's a title of a book that I, I can't really recommend it to because it's one of these books that I bought and haven't read yet. But I love the title. It's called The True Story of Everything. And, and it's a picture of, from what I understand in the, in the preview, 
It's a preview, it's a, it's a, a picture of, of history as being his story. That history itself is God's plan in our world. This isn't, this isn't just something we tack on to reality. This is our filter for understanding reality. There is a God. He's the maker of heaven and earth. He stepped into human history on a Christmas morning 2,000 years ago. And he's the king who's going to return. He died and paid the price for our sins. He rose from the grave. This is the true story of everything. And all the other world events that are happening, the stuff you read on the front page of the paper, what you hear on the nightly news, on your podcasts, those are all little, little aspects of the, the true story of everything. And so when, when it says, in the fullness of time, when the fullness of time had come, it's not that Jesus happened to come on the scene at a, per, a particular period in the ancient Near Eastern world when you know, there was Roman occupation. It's that that was God's plan all along. When the fullness of time had come, Jesus stepped into the middle of history. And so now, you know, we have the tendency today to feel like, well, where are you, Jesus? We're entering the year 2020. And you haven't come back yet? Why are you slow in keeping your promises? There's another verse for you. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So we saw back in Isaiah that his ways and thoughts are not the same as ours. His, he's got a better plan than we do. His timing is also better than ours. If it, were, if it were up to us, we'd say, God, move now. God, work now. God, return. Send your son Jesus now to establish his kingdom. And the reminder there in 2 Peter, and I'd say here in Galatians 4 as well, is that his timing isn't just about me. His timing is about his plan in this world. Not that you and I are not a part of that story, but he has a redemptive plan. And there you see a, a glimpse of his heart in 2 Peter 3, that it's patience that he has because of not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So there's some, there's some work to be done. There's some, some of God's plans yet to be fulfilled. And he's using you and I in the execution of that plan in this world. There are people that need to hear the gospel, that need to hear the true story of Christmas. They're watching movies that say all Christmas is is about sentimentality. You know, maybe they're hearing a subtly good message from the Grinch. You know, it's not all about the presents. You can still have Christmas without the presents and the glitter. Yeah, yeah, because all you need is togetherness. No, you missed it. Jim Carrey. It's about Jesus. It's about God coming in the fullness of time at just the right time. When we needed redemption the most, that's when he came. That's when he stepped in. And then when you understand the big picture, take the next step and make it personal. So if God's plans in this world are better than your plans in this world, if his ways 
of doing those plans are better than what you and I could come up with, if his timing in this world was exactly what it should be and was meant to be according to his plan, how does that relate to your life? You know, because a lot of times we think, God, your plan, uh, my plan in my life is better than your plan. Uh, my methods, my technique, if God, God, if you would just listen to me and do as I'm asking, things would be a lot better. God, if you would do it in my timing and in my way, it would work out better. And we need the reminder that it, it gets personal. That when he looks at each one of us, he's saying, I know your heart. I knew every day of your life before a single one came to be. When you were still in your mother's womb, it was all laid out before me. And I know who you are. I know your, I know your sorrows. I know your suffering. I know your longing. And if we realize that and acknowledge that his ways are higher, it brings trust. It brings peace. It really enables us to walk in the freedom that Paul's talking about here. To say, okay, man, what a relief that I don't need to have the plan. I don't need to have the, the ability to execute that plan. I don't need to be the one that comes up with the timing. I just need to trust him and trust that God is working to do and to will according to his good purposes. Put your trust and faith in him. Verse 5 has, has a, a word uh, that should give us hope as well. In the fullness of time, he came to redeem those who were under the law. Uh, the guys at Men's Coffee on Wednesday, we were looking at that word redeem and thinking about different ways that we use that, right? Redemption. Um, somebody mentioned a coupon. Okay, you know, you redeem a coupon. A coupon in and of itself has no value other, other than the potential value of getting you a dollar off your cup of coffee over at Legends, right? So it has some potential value, but it's not until it's redeemed that it's given its full value. And for us, made in God's image, but broken because of sin. And yet with that potential of being divine image bearers, reflecting his heart to, to the creation that he made, returning glory to him. Unable to do so. No value in and of ourselves. And Jesus comes and he redeems us and he gives us that value. The full worth of what God had intended makes us able to have relationship with him, to share his heart with one another, to be used by him and receive adoption, as, as Paul talks about here in Galatians. And then that, that beautiful verse there in verse 6, because you are sons and ladies, I'd say, and daughters, I would add that. If, sometimes it's hard to take those gender-specific words and apply them personally. So, so clearly, you're a child of God. In fact, the NIV, I think, translates that as a child you're adopted into God's family you're a son you're a daughter because of that God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying Abba father that word Abba it's just a familiar name for 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 a father it's not a formal it'd be like saying dad and God puts his spirit in your heart that enables you to then cry out to him in that way, with that kind of a heart. Not the child sitting in the corner pouring over a list of regulations, but coming into the full embrace and warmth of relationship with God. That's his plan for you and I. That we're accepted in, that we are embraced, that we are transformed in that encounter with him, with the, the loving God. There's been a, a video circulating about 
an adoption um, of, of a, young, a young boy who invites his classmates to come to the courtroom. I don't know if you've seen that. It's probably on YouTube. You could check it out. But what a, what a reason to celebrate. What a time to rejoice and celebrate that I'm now a part of the family. And I want all my friends to know about it. And I'm going to throw a party. And we're going to take some selfies and put it on social media. I mean, this is, this is a reason to celebrate and rejoice. Do you have that heart today when it comes to the gospel message? If, if the gospel in your life means a list of do's and don'ts, and a burden that you have to shoulder, and a sour look on your face, you're missing the point. If your adoption into the family of God made possible because of Jesus makes you want to throw a party and tell all your friends, you're understanding the point of Paul's letter to the church in Galatia, and you're ready to celebrate this Christmas week, because that's what it's all about. Maybe today you just need that reminder, hey, you are a son you are a daughter of God because of what Jesus has done. So it's not just the status, but finally, in verse 8, Paul kind of turns and starts to talk about the working out of living as a child of God. It's not just that, okay, you know, yep, you've got the official adoption papers, you now have the, the title of son or daughter, congratulations. Now, the fun of being a part of the family actually starts. And so Paul reminds them, you know, you were enslaved. There was a time that you were not in this status as a son or as a daughter, a child of God. You were enslaved. And really, I, I see him kind of walking through Israel's history here, right? You were enslaved. You've come to know God, or, or he says, rather, to be known by God. And now don't turn back to slavery. Do you remember the Israelites back in the Old Testament? 430 years enslaved. These are God's chosen people who had heard and recited the promises that God gave to Abraham about being blessed and being a blessing and multiplying, uh, blessing all the nations of the earth. And they've got that in their, in their history, in their memory. And yet now 430 years enslaved by the Egyptians. And at the end of that time, God brings deliverance, begins to lead them to the promised land. And yet what happens? On that journey to the promised land, there's unfaithfulness, worshiping other gods, there's some punishment. Now the, the whole journey gets prolonged to a, a span of 40 years. But along the way, do you remember hearing the stories from the Old Testament? The people of God in the Old Testament were the people of God today. These are our brothers and sisters, right? What did they start doing out there in the wilderness? They started longing for the days of slavery. Man, I wish we could just go back to Egypt. You know, it wasn't manna for every meal. I, I could just go for a good Egyptian beating right now. I'd like to make some bricks out of mud. Boy, those were the good old days. Do you remember what it was like? Man, it was so great being a slave. And how, how short our memories are. So Paul's saying, don't make that same mistake. Don't be like the Israelites. You were enslaved. You've come to know God or rather to be known by him. It's not that, you know, we fully comprehended who God is. 
Yet when he looks at us, every thought and intention is laid bare. He's able to, to look right inside of our hearts and see every thought we've ever had, every intention we've ever had. He knows us, and yet he still loves us. And so we know who he is, but really he knows us. And he, he calls us to himself despite knowing us as well as he does. He says, I, I receive you as my son, as my daughter, because of the price that Jesus paid. Why would we turn back to slavery? And so the encouragement here is to live as a child of God, to be who you are in Jesus. Live that out this week. Why did Jesus come? When did he, why did he come when he came? What about in your life? How does that relate to your story? Have you gone back to that day when God reached out to you and said, I know you. I know your name. I know where you've come from. I know the plans that I have for you. Maybe today is that day for some of you. You're here today. It's not an accident. It's not just because, you know, some some friend or, or relative invited you to church. God was pursuing you, and he is today. And so today is the day to yield to him and to surrender, to sign those adoption papers, to say, I belong to you, to become in Christ and to walk in the freedom that he has for you, to experience that joy, no longer a slave to... Paul kind of gets into some various kinds of slavery. There's the slavery to the law that that is in chapter 3, if you want to read some more about that. There's slavery to the elementary principles of the world. In Romans 6, he talks about slavery to sin. There's various ways that we can be enslaved. Maybe for you, it's not legalism. Maybe for you, it's the sin that's talked about uh, as, as a means of slavery, a cruel taskmaster there in Romans 6. Or the elementary principles of the world. That's a whole other can of worms we could open that talk about um, the, the structures of existence in our world, kind of the things that are in need of redemption. Could be governmental systems, could be educational systems, economic systems, that they, they start out kind of just as, as ways of humans interacting, but then they begin to take on a life of their own and they tend towards sin and they end up hurting relationships and hurting one another and they need to be redeemed governments, educational systems, economic systems, those elementary principles of the world are ways that we can be enslaved as well. And yet Jesus is bigger than all those things that enslave us. We're no longer defined by the things that enslaved us and ensnared us in the past. Instead, we are free in Christ. We're adopted into the family. We're filled with his spirit and enabled to cry out to him, Abba, Father, in relationship. And so today, if you need that, then we want to pray with you today and say today is a day to celebrate and you got some family and friends here to celebrate with you as you're adopted into the family. If you've already got your adoption papers and you're a son or a daughter of the king, then in just a moment we're going to celebrate communion together. But I'd like to pray with you this Christmas week that God will cement these things into your hearts, that you will live out Uh, the the plan that he has for you to be a part of the family, that you'll trust him in his ways, in his thoughts, in plans, and in his timing. So can we stand together and and go to the king today, God? We thank you for your great love for us. We thank you for paying the price that we never could. We thank you for securing our salvation. We thank you for your plans 
Thank you for your ways and your thoughts. And God, even when it's hard to trust you, we thank you for the reminder that you are at work. You are, you've always been faithful. You always will be faithful. And we pray that you, you would remind us of that today, the truth of your word, that your, your thoughts are higher, your ways are higher, your timing is, is perfect. And so we trust in you today. God, we thank you that you came in the fullness of time. We thank you that you brought freedom. Thank you that we're no longer under the law, that we're not enslaved, but we're free in you. And as we take communion today, we do so giving thanks and praise to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you can go ahead and make your way to the, to the tables and uh, then let's all return to our seats and we'll give thanks together and, and take the cup and the wine uh, in just a moment. Well, let's give thanks together as we remember what Jesus did. Here's, here's what Paul says in, in his letter to the Corinthians. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember the broken body of our Lord today. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's remember his shed blood and look forward to his return. Jesus, we worship you. We thank you for your sacrifice on the cross, the forgiveness of sins, the hope that we have. We thank you this week we celebrate not just a baby in a manger, but the culmination of history, transformation in our individual lives, redemption, forgiveness, your plan. We acknowledge you as the king and we await your return. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, just a couple real practical things. Um, I believe we're going to leave the chairs set up. Is that, is that right? Okay. So good news is um, we're allowed to leave all of our stuff set up for the whole week. So it takes some of the pressure off the SWAT team, which is awesome. Uh, we'll be back here on Tuesday. The, the uh, Christmas Eve service is at 5. There will be some fellowship time ahead of time at 4.30. So if you'd like to come and bring a plate of cookies to share, uh, we'll have, have some coffee going and just get a chance to connect with one another as a church family as well. Um, there, there, the, the service should last about an hour just so you're able to plan time with, uh, with family afterward and there's a lot of music planned. I know the kids have been working on a handbell choir. There's also a, a, a choir that, that the, the worship team and other members of the congregation have been preparing. A lot of scripture reading and then a, a, a short message on home for the holidays with a little twist, okay? Where, where's, our, where's our real home? So it, it'd be a great opportunity for you to invite a friend a lot of times people are thinking about church at Christmas time, and it'd be a good opportunity for you to bring a coworker or a friend or a family member with you. All right, well, God bless you and Merry Christmas.